Good morning, Rock Hills. We're so glad to have all of you guys here. One thing that I really love about Rock Hills is just how God brings lives together. People from all over the place, uh, different backgrounds and different situations. And God has just knit together uh, such a wonderful tapestry of people here. And one of those families that God has brought here just within the last several months has been the Butcher family. And this is Blaine. If you haven't met Blaine yet, everybody say hi, Blaine. All right, very good. His, his wife, Abigail, and they have an army of kids. Uh, but we're so glad to have them here with us, just like we are glad to have all of you guys here with us. But uh, one thing that we really want to see happen, just as a church family and as a community, is that you can all find a place where your experiences and your training and your gifting can be used for the body of Christ. One thing that we noticed about Blaine here, really quick, is... Uh, Blaine has a seminary degree. He's been a pastor before. And so we said, hey, when you're ready, we would love to get you plugged into our teaching rotation. So today is Blaine's very first time uh, to be sharing the message with us today. So he's going to continue in the book of Acts, but I want you guys to make sure you make him feel real welcome today. All right? We're glad to have you, Blaine. Hey, big guy. All right. All right. Well, hey, it's really great to be here. I'm, I'm thankful to be here. I hope you are as well. And as Adam said, uh, my family, we started coming to Rock Hills in February. We moved to San Antonio in January. And one thing about San Antonio, it's just a great city. Um, my wife and I, we've lived in a few different places. And I, I can really say that even strangers, people are really friendly here. It's probably one of the friendliest cities we've ever lived in. And so I'm so grateful to be here. And uh, it's, just, it's just really an honor. Well, again, just a little bit about myself. Uh, Abigail and I, you've probably seen us. We have six kids. And this morning, my daughter Barbara, uh, made, we usually have waffles and pancakes on Sundays, like our little, something we normally do. And I looked at her waffle, and she had about this much Nutella on her waffle. And I said, uh, well, Barbara, who put that on for you? She says, I did. It's like, all right, she's four, so, okay, that made sense, that much Nutella. All right. But anyway, uh, having a lot of kids is a lot of fun. And one of the things we like to do is we like to take a family photo every year. And normally I find someone, you know, pay them a little bit of money to take our picture. But normally we get a really turn out so well. I'm, I'm, I'm kidding you not. Like some, like a lot of pictures, kids have their faces on their hands, or maybe like they're cross-eyed, or leaning over, pinching somebody. And, and, and this is not a joke. This actually was the best picture we got last year. <laughs> I mean, at least for that one, you can tell we're trying to be silly, but like the other ones, like, I mean, there's one kid who that some you know, I even look pretty fat, so I didn't like that either. But uh, anyway, so Recently, I learned I've been paying the wrong person. I need to be paying the kids, not the photographer. And so, in uh, Mother's Day here at Rock Hills, uh, Jacques was taking pictures for free. And so I told the kids, look, I'll give you twenty dollar if you don't cross your eyes, don't pick your nose, don't put your hand in your face, don't hurt anybody, and we'll do it. And so we got this picture here. <laughs> but there's one thing I left out. I should have said no gang signs because if you look at. That boy there, he's doing something weird with his fingers at. See, not like, I'm not sure what that is. It could be a signal to somebody. So next time I'm going to have to add that to the list of things you know we're not supposed to do. So, anyway. All right. Well, hey, we're going to be talking about Acts, continuing on. I feel like uh, Adam's done a great job. With chapter uh, 18, uh, verse 24 through 19, 20. It's kind of a longer passage. And I feel like the Word of God is so important um, I've asked my wife to come out and read the whole thing. Now, the words aren't going to be on the screen, and so I hope you'll try to listen as she reads it. Just try to use your imagination and follow the words, and then we'll go through this passage. But before we do that, let's ask for some help. So let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much that we could be here together, 
And uh, Lord, we just declare that you are God, that you are the one true God that loves every person everywhere in the whole planet. You love the people of Acts. You love us. And Lord, we just declare that all authority today belongs to Jesus Christ. And I confess that I have nothing to say. Uh, Lord, it has to be your Holy Spirit that works in, in, in our hearts and our lives. And so I pray that you would use us together, Father, to, um, to encourage people to get closer to you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Okay, have a good go ahead. Okay, here we go. Now a Jew named Apollos, an Alexandrian by birth, an eloquent man came to Ephesus, and he was mighty in the scriptures. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he was speaking and teaching accurately the things concerning Jesus, being acquainted only with the baptism, baptism of John. And he began to speak out boldly in the synagogue. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he wanted to go across to Achaia, the brethren encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. And when he had arrived, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace. For he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, demonstrating by the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. It happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the upper country and came to Ephesus and found some disciples. He said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said to him, no, we have not even heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, Into what then were you baptized? And they said, Into John's baptism. Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in him who was coming after him, that is, in Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came to them, and they began speaking with tongues and prophesying. There were in all about twelve men. And he entered the synagogue and continued speaking out boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some were becoming hardened and disobedient, speaking evil of the way before the people, he withdrew from them and took away the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. This took place for two years, so that all who lived in Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. God was performing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so that the handkerchiefs or aprons were even carried from his body to the sick, and the diseases left them, and the evil spirits went out. But also, some of the Jewish exorcists who went from place to place attempted to name over those who had the evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, I adjure you by Jesus, whom Paul preaches. Seven sons of one Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. And the evil spirit answered and said to them, I recognize Jesus, and I know about Paul. But who are you? And the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them and subdued all of them and overpowered them, 
so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. This became known to all, both Jews and Greeks, who lived in Ephesus, and fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was being magnified. Many also of those who had believed kept coming, confessing and disclosing their practices. And many of those who practiced magic brought their books together and began burning them in the sight of everyone. And they counted up the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord was growing mightily and prevailing. Thank you. I honestly believe that what she just read is God's word, and it's actually more impactful than anything I could say about it. I believe that God uses his word to draw us closer to himself. And so this passage in Acts, we're going to see how, how people respond to God's word from different backgrounds, and how, when they allow God's word to, to um, come into their lives, it actually draws them closer to God and changes who they are. So let's start out here with the very first part that she read. We're just going to look at this in a little more detail. So we have a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, arrived in Ephesus. He was an eloquent speaker, well-versed in the scriptures. He'd been instructed in the way of the Lord. And with great enthusiasm, he spoke and taught accurately the facts about Jesus, although he knew only the baptism of John. So let's just pause for a little bit. We have Apollos. He's a very good speaker. He's eloquent. He's well-versed in the scriptures. I mean, he studied the scriptures. He knows the Bible well. But, next passage. He began to speak out fiercely in the synagogue. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained the way of God to him more accurately. So even though he was somebody that knew the scriptures well, he'd studied, he actually taught upon them, he had more to learn. Let's continue on, next part. When Apollos wanted to cross over to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. When he arrived, he assisted greatly those who believed by grace, for he refuted the Jews vigorously in public debate, demonstrating from the scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. So again, even though he knew a lot about the Bible, he had more to learn, and when he learned more, he, he, had, he used it in his life, and he was effective. And so I want to think of Paul as kind of like this guy. Uh, this is Henry uh, Pym. I don't know if you guys watch movies, it's something our family likes to do. Recently we saw The Ant-Man and the Wasp, and, and again, this is not real, he's just a fictional character, but I hate Pym. He uh, is a physicist, and he's super smart. He's super brilliant. He knew how to make things really little and then make them really big again. I mean, he's got amazing scientific powers. But in the movie, he actually has to learn more about science to go deeper. And even though he's like, you know, great, unbelievable, he has more to learn in order to save his wife. And so some of us today, we may have been reading the Bible our whole lives. Like, we study it, maybe go to some kind of Bible class. But yet you know there's more you can learn about God's Word and apply it to your life. There's more you can do with God's Word than to draw closer. God's character. So you may be a little bit like uh, Hank Prim. All right, next passage. Here we go. So 19, it says, well, Apollos was in Corinth. Paul went through the inland regions and came to Ephesus. He found some disciples there and said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed in the Spirit? So these guys are very young Christians. They, 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 don't, they don't even know the basics of, about uh, Christianity. You know, most of us know that God is three in one. There's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But, but these guys don't even know that basic part. Next part. Next passage here. So Paul said, Into what baptism were you baptized in the John's baptism? They replied. Paul said, John baptized with a baptism of repentance. Tell the people to believe in the one who is to come after him. That is Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. 
And when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and began to speak in tongues and to prophesy. Now there were about 12 men in all. So, first we had Apollos. He knew a lot about the Bible. He had more to learn. And he applied it to his life. Now we have these people that are kind of newer Christians, really new. They don't even know about the Holy Spirit. They learn more about Christ. They apply it to their lives. They grow also. So let's look at our next slide here. So they're a little bit like Scott Lane. He's the new Ant-Man. You've seen the movies. And in the first movie, he's an ice cream scooper. By the way, do you know that today is free ice cream day? Do you guys know that? Yeah, free ice cream day. So a uh, little in-house sermon advertisement. I guess if you download an app from, uh, I think, Baskin Robbins and Dairy Queen, you get like some special free deal or something. And I don't know all this stuff. But anyway, free ice cream day. So um, and I have nothing against ice cream scoopers. In fact, I consider myself a pretty good ice cream scooper. But if you think about it, the training that ice cream versus the training that it takes to do molecular physics, you know, it's, it's kind of a big difference. And so again, you could be somebody that maybe you don't know a lot about the Bible. Like maybe it's one of your first times here at Rock Hills, or, or maybe you've never, maybe it is your first time, but yet wherever you're at, God's Word is powerful, and as you learn more about who God is, it will draw you closer to Him, it will change your life. And so uh, I'm using Scott Lang here, the new Ant-Man, as kind of an illustration, because if you watch the movies, he makes a lot of mistakes, but it's okay. He's growing, he's learning, and that's what we're many of us are. All right, next next passage here. So Paul, so that, this, this is actually the next one. I'm just going through the whole passage. And so Paul entered the synagogue and spoke out fiercely for three months, addressing and convincing them about the kingdom of God. But when some were stubborn, refused to believe, reviling the way before the congregation. So we saw two positive responses. One guy knew a lot about the Bible. He heard it. He changed. Other people were pretty young in their faith. They learned. They changed. Well, these people here, they heard about God's word, and their reaction was to refuse. Like, they pushed against it. They, they just said, you know what? I, I, I don't really want that. I don't want that in my life. I don't even really want to hear it. And that's the response we can have to God's word. Let's go to the next slide here. We can kind of be like my attitude towards doctors. Like, doctors are wonderful people. I know they help people. My dad has type 2 diabetes, and he has, like, high blood pressure and all this stuff. He has to take this medication. And I know that can be hereditary. So I don't want to go to the doctor. I don't want to find out that I have type 2 diabetes and I have to start taking medications or shots. Like, I just, I don't want that. So I don't want to go. So recently, I had a health exam with my insurance because you have to do it to get the discount and all that kind of stuff. And so I went, and I met with the doctor Thursday, and I didn't want to be there. I was like, what's he going to tell me? Well, I'm grateful so far, no type 2 diabetes, very thankful for that. But some of us can have that attitude towards the scriptures. Like, you know what the doctor is saying is good, he's trying to help you, but you don't want to know about it. Like, you kind of feel like, i got a good place where I'm at. I don't want to know this extra thing that might save my life, that might help me to live a little fuller life, because it means I'll have to change. And that's an approach we can have to God's word. All right, next slide. So Paul, he's the he, he left them and took the disciples with him, addressing them every day in the lecture hall of Tyrannius. This went on for cheaters, so that all who believed in the province of Asia, both Jews and Greeks, heard the word of the Lord. God was performing extraordinary miracles by Paul's hands, so that when even handkerchiefs or aprons that touched his body were brought to the sick, the diseases left them, and the evil spirits went out. So again, the word of the Lord is a powerful thing. Like God uses his word to change your lives. Now in this case, a lot of it was physical. Can you imagine if, if a, somebody had the ability to just take like a handkerchief or a paper towel and it just touched them, and then it touched somebody that had cancer and the cancer went away? Wouldn't that be amazing? Can you imagine if Paul like sneezes? You think that would make a disease? But then he touches somebody, their disease goes away? Isn't that amazing? What if somebody had 
depression. They're so depressed. Paul's like, here you go. You're all better now. I mean, that's amazing what God can do. He has that kind of power. And I really believe if we study the scriptures, he tends to work through his word. As we study God's word, it changes our lives. All right, next, next passage. All right, before we get to this next passage, uh, does anybody recognize this place? Just raise your hand if you recognize anybody. A couple people recognize it. Well, I knew the San Antonio, and uh, recently we went, we saw the Ant-Man and the Wasp. We went down to this place down here, it's downtown San Antonio. And as you drive in, there's a big, that big red sculpture. And I know those are famous all around the world. All the cool cities have them. Uh, so San Antonio, of course, we have one. And then, of course, I don't even know what everything's called, but we got the little you know, place you can look around. So downtown San Antonio, it's awesome. Can, can everybody, almost everybody see the picture almost? Can you raise your hand if you can see the picture? Most people. So I know not everybody here, but most people, we have physical sight. We're able to see things uh, in a physical manner. Most of us do. But as we know, there's other kinds of seeing. Another way of seeing is socially. There's some of us that we don't see very good socially. We don't really get things. Like, for example, myself, sometimes I don't see very good socially. And so I, I can be with my wife. She sees pretty good socially. And she'll say, uh, hey, Blaine, that guy's honking his horn a whole bunch behind you. Oh, really? Yeah, I think he wants you to move your car out of the way so he can go. Oh, Oh, that's what we're talking to court. Oh, okay, thanks, Abigail. So I don't always see very good socially, but here's someone else who doesn't see so good socially. I don't know if you've seen the show, Big Bang Theory. This, um, I've seen it once or, or so, and it was pretty funny, but this guy showed apparently he doesn't see very good socially. He doesn't really get the social clues that most people get, and that's one way of seeing. But another way of seeing, we could go back to the next slide, or go to the next slide, is spiritually seeing. The Bible tells us that there's a spiritual world, and, and most of us can't really see it. Like this picture of San Antonio, ooh, it disappeared. Maybe that was a spirit thing, just kidding. Uh, but no, seriously, uh, you might look there. Whoa, this is weird. Just teasing. Okay, so when I look, I see buildings, I see trees, I see the big red sculpture, but I don't see any spirits. I, I just don't. I just see physical stuff. But the Bible says there's a spiritual world. And so this next passage is going to talk about that spiritual world. I don't necessarily understand exactly how that works, but I do believe it because it's in the Bible. I think it's true. So here we go. It says, but some itinerant Jewish exorcists tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were possessed by evil spirits, saying, I sternly warn you by Jesus, who Paul preaches. Now, the seven sons of a man named Siva, a Jewish high priest, were doing this. But the evil spirit replied to them, Jesus, I know. And I'm acquainted with Paul, but who are you? So another response to the word of God is you can believe it's true. You can believe there's power in it. But if you don't ever take it into your life and commit your life to, to God, you're not going to have that power. It's kind of like this. We have our doctor again, and he's got uh, antibiotics. And you know if you've had some kind of infection that oftentimes you take antibiotics and it just makes it go away. But imagine if you had the bottle of antibiotics in your hand and you looked at it and you said, I know this antibiotics will probably cure my ear infection. I know it will do it. So instead of taking the antibiotics, you just put it over your ear and you say, ear infection, there's antibiotics. You better be afraid. Leave my body. There's antibiotics. You know, I, I don't know that some people have, like, mind over matter. Maybe that would do something. I don't know. But for most of us, unless we actually take the antibiotics and we commit to the antibiotics working, it's not really going to change our lives. It's not going to make a difference. And that's what it was like with these sons of Siva. Like, they knew there was power in the name of Jesus. They knew that the things that Paul was teaching were true. They could transform lives. But they had never committed their lives to God. They never had, had took God's word for themselves and really made it a part of who they were and, and got to know God and had a relationship with him. All right, next passage. 
When the man who was possessed by the evil spirit jumped on them and beat them all into submission, he prevailed against them. So they fled from that house, naked and wounded. Turned out pretty bad. You know, you could go around claiming stuff, but if you don't really commit your life to God, it's not really going to be a good picture. All right, next slide. This is in case you're falling asleep. I know sometimes someone talks for a while, you're like, what is it? I'm just lost. So this is to get your attention. Yes, we were just talking about naked people and demons, okay? All right, let's continue. Uh, this became known to all the naked people and the demons. became known to all who lived in Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks. Peter came upon over them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was praised. Many of those who had believed came forward, confessing and making their deeds known. Large numbers of those who practiced magic collected their books and burned them up in the presence of everyone. When the value of the books was added up, it was found to total 50,000 silver coins. So there's a couple points I want to bring out about this, is that people that had believed, like they already were believing in God, when they saw this happen, they came forward and confessed their evil deeds. They said, you know what, there's things in my life that aren't right the way God wants them, and I want to publicly change, because I believe there's power in who Jesus is. I believe there's power in what God has to say. And so it says they burned up all these books and all the stuff in the presence of everyone. They did this publicly. They made a public confession. Now, when you look at this, you see 50,000 silver coins. And most of us say, like, wow, 50,000 silver coins. That seems like a lot of money. I don't know how much that is. Well, apparently, a silver coin uh, would be the same as one person could do a day's work. So just imagine you had, you know, an okay job, and you made, like, $175 a day, and you could work, like, five days a week. This is our time. So if you add that up, that would be about $8 million. So this was a lot of money. Like what these guys did, it wasn't a big deal. It wasn't like, oh goodness, I, I don't really listen to Michael Jackson anymore. This is not one of my favorites. Let's burn it up. You know, I mean, this was stuff that had a lot of value, the stuff that they really cared about. All right, next slide. So it'd be kind of like if one of us put it on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, we said, hey, I'm making a change in my life. I want people to know what I'm doing. And they just put it out for everybody. Just told everybody, this is what I'm doing. All right, next slide. And so the conclusion here on Acts 19, that in this way, the word of the Lord continued to grow in power and prevail. So let's just briefly review this again. So here we go, next slide. We had Apollos, kind of like Henry Prim, knew a lot about God's word. He was taught some more stuff, applied it to his life, and it changed. We had uh, the new believers, kind of like the new app man, Scott Lane. They didn't know too much about God. Uh, they learned some more the platform life that grew. They had other people that were kind of like my attitude towards doctors. Like, you know what God's word? I don't want to hear about it. They resisted. They didn't let it come into their lives. They had other people that uh, they looked at the, the, the power of God's word. They said it's kind of like antibiotic. There's a lot of power there. I, I know there's power, but I'm not, for whatever reason, ready to commit it to my life. I'm not ready to make it a part of who I am. And then lastly, we had these people that said, you know, I've made mistakes. I haven't been living the way that God wants me to live. I'm ready to change. And they went and told everybody, like, I'm turning over a new leaf. I'm going to do things differently. Put it on Instagram, Facebook, told everybody. So you could be sitting here today and say, you know what? Wow, believe this series on Acts has been a lot of fun. You know, Pastor Adam really brought out some great details about the history, had a lot of good things to say. This was good. You know, I even feel like maybe there was a slight, very small, but a slight entertainment value. That was cool about, you know, Ant-Man and the doctor and the spiritual naked people. You know, that's, that's interesting. Wow, I'm so glad I came this morning. Great music. That was great. But I would really like it if we could take it just one step, uh, one step today. So next slide. So today I'm issuing you two challenges, and that's why there's the paper and the pen. 
And these two challenges are pretty simple. So one it is really just being involved in God's Word every day. That's the first challenge. So let's just say wherever you're at, like, I don't really read God's Word every way. I just don't do it. I'm too busy. I've never developed that habit. I know it's a good thing. I've just never done it. Well, today I want to challenge you to start that habit. And here's just a couple suggestions. One is just simply reading. Um, what we have rockhills.com. That's for a church. We have you go to that, click on rockhills.com, and you click on blog, and then you click on ten minutes a day with God. And basically, it, it will follow the sermon series here at Rock Hills. And I believe Jan writes up a, just kind of a very brief kind of summary or description of what's going on. And it can be a great way to get involved in God's Word. And it's kind of cool, too, because, you know, other people in the church are doing it. It's, it's a good thing. Another way, the way that I started was just reading a chapter a day. Uh, when I was younger, before I went to bed, the last thing I would do before I went to sleep is I had a Bible. I would just read a chapter. So let's say I read John chapter 8. I go to bed, do the whole day. The next day I come back, read John chapter 9. And that's just what I did. That's, and that, that worked for me. It helped me to read God's word. It became a habit. Like, pretty soon I wouldn't even really go to sleep until I read the Bible. It was like ingrained. It became a habit. They see if you do something 17 days in a row, it becomes a habit. So I want to challenge you to make uh, getting God's word into your life a habit. Now, sometimes in life you get pretty busy. And one of my other jobs, I had to drive a lot. In the, well, not a lot. I had to drive about uh, 15, 20 minutes to work. And so what I started doing was I started listening to a podcast on my phone, the Daily Audio Bible. And you could just go to today. So today is uh, July 15th, the World Cup Championship. Thanks for being here. And um, <laughs> anyway, you just click on that. And this guy named Brian, he reads uh, three chapters in the Old Testament, uh, usually a chapter in the New Testament, a Psalm and a Proverb. takes about 15 to 17 minutes. And you can get God's word into your life that way. As you're driving or as you're walking, it's a great way. So I encourage you to think about uh, daily audio Bible. You're pretty busy. I know there's other ways you get like the Bible on MP3 or digital or CDs. There's a lot of great ways to hear God's word. And now, in our modern age, I don't know if you know this, but people literally spend millions of dollars to make movies about God's word. Like, it's literally word for word from the Bible. Like, they don't have, like, a commentary. It's actually the words of Scripture, and you can actually watch God's word. So there's something called the Gospel of John. I've seen that quite a few times, and, and it's literally word for word. Uh, I mean, do you know if they have the verses out there sometimes? Is there going, is that an option they can show? I don't know. Sometimes they can show you the verses down the little corner that's, that's going on. There's also the Gospel of Luke, the Gospel of Mark. I'm pretty sure that they are word for word for the Bible. So if you're a person that says, you know, I don't like to read, I don't really want to listen, you can actually just watch it. That'd be one way to uh, get God's word into your life. Okay, the second challenge is, uh, choose something from the Bible to work on, to apply to your life. You know, I, I don't know what's going on in your life, but just choose something. Like, you're a Christian, and you know there's something you're doing that you really shouldn't be doing. Like, you know what? I, I, um, I just get angry too much. I, I, I'm not very nice to my kids sometimes. Um, maybe it's forgiveness. Like, you know, there's people in my life that, that I don't like, and they do something wrongly, and, and it crosses me, and I, and I don't want to talk to them. I don't forgive them. Um, it could be complaining, gossip. I don't know. I don't know what God's Spirit's working on in your life, but perhaps there's something in your life that you know that, you know, there's something that I need to, 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 to choose. Okay, next slide. So here's how the challenge works. So here's how the paper comes in. They say that when you write something down and make a plan to do it, the chances of you do it go from about, like, 5%. Like 60%. Just simply write it down and make it a plan. So I want to challenge you. You wouldn't mind just picking up a piece of paper and I've been mean, don't look at other people and see they're doing it. You know, just go ahead and get it. And uh, what I want you to do is write down the challenge. Like, hey, I'm going to read God's Word every day. I'm going to listen to our podcast about the Bible. I'm going to watch a movie. I don't know what it is. Um, or, you know, I'm going to work on on anger. I'm going to work on not being. That's my thing. So think down. I'm just going to be second to write down what you want to do. So just write that somewhere on the paper. What is the challenge that you would like to do? 
Because we believe that God's word changes our lives, draws us closer to God, and he works in our hearts. So what is the challenge that you want? So just kind of write that down. Okay, then the second part is you write down when you're going to do it and how you're going to do it. So, for example, say it's reading the Bible, you could write down, what I'm going to do, um, right before breakfast, I'm going to read the Bible for three minutes. I'm going to set my timer on my phone or whatever it is, and I'm just going to read for three minutes uh, every morning before I eat breakfast. So I have my bowl of cereal right there, my coffee, set my timer for three minutes, I'm going to read for three minutes, and then I'm going to eat. So I don't, I don't know whatever it is, but just kind of write down how you're going to do it. Whatever that challenge is. Or, or maybe it's something else. Like, you know, my challenge that I feel like God's been working on me is I really need to um, do a lot better about encouraging my family. Like, I feel like I just always tell them to do stuff when they're doing wrong. But as a dad, I want to be more encouraging. And so every day, I'm going to give um, you know, each one of my kids a compliment every day. And I'm going to do that uh, when I come home from work before I change my clothes. Or whatever it is. So you just write down, what, I'm, what are you going to do? When are you going to do it? Just something simple, and you write that down. So that's that's kind of how that works. So give me a second to write something down. All right, then the last part, you've really done the hard work. The last part is just tell someone or even more than one person, just say, hey, I do this thing. I've decided that I want to read God's Word every day. I just want you to know that's what I'm going to do. And then put it on Instagram, social media like Facebook or Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, something. Just say, hey, I just, I made this thing. I'm going to read God's Word every day. Just kind of tell somebody. Just like they did in Acts. Like they publicly said, hey, I, I, I'm going to do something different. I'm going the wrong way. And then lastly, of course, ask God to help you to do it. So that's the last thing there. So I just want to tell you a quick, quick story about our family. Uh, we, Abigail and I have six kids, and one thing we noticed was that some of our kids were complaining a lot. Uh, when you have six kids, they have to actually do work, or your house uh, smells really bad, looks really bad, or both parents are very tired and grumpy all the time. So everybody has to work together. So in our house, uh, we have people that do the dishes, we have people that sweep the floor, uh, we take turns uh, feeding the dog, taking the dog out. And so we noticed that sometimes we'd be like, after dinner, we'd say, hey, uh, it's your turn to go ahead and sweep the floor. So go ahead and do that now. And they'd be like, sweep the floor. Oh, I do not want to sweep the floor. No, not sweep the floor. No. They just like grumble. Great. That's a whole thing. We'd like, you know, in our house, we don't want to do that. And so a little bit later, there'd be somebody else like, hey, it's your turn to take the dog out. So make sure the dog is to the bathroom. Oh, take the dog out. And so we noticed this pattern going on in our kids. And so we told them, look, you know, the Bible says do everything without grumbling and complaining. We don't want to be that way. And eventually, I'm not a very smart person. I've been a Christian for a while. And I realized that I think I have a problem with complaining. You know, the Bible says do everything without grumbling and complaining. Like, it's pretty clear in Philippians 2. It doesn't say most of the time don't grumble and complain. Or as long as you feel happy and rested, things are going well, don't grumble and complain. It says don't grumble and complain ever. And so I realized, I think I do that. And so I thought, if I want my kids not to grumble and complain, I need to stop grumbling and complaining. And so I told my wife, I said, look, I'm going to make this new deal. I'm not going to complain about anything at all. I'm no more complaining, that's it. And then on Facebook, I wrote that on. I said, hey, I'm doing this new thing that's kind of weird. I decided that I'm not going to complain anymore about anything. I just put it on Facebook. And so I did this, I think, sometime in early June. 
And uh, by God's grace, I've gotten a, little, a while ago, a couple weeks into it, my wife's like, you know what? You're really not complaining very much. I haven't really noticed that. Like, you really have not been complaining. And what's really weird, like, this, this may sound weird to you, but, like, I've actually been kind of happier. No, we're like, I stopped complaining. I, I'm kind of, like, more positive. Not weird. Like, I don't complain now, and now I'm, like, happier and more positive. That's weird how God's word does that. Like, you do what it says, it, like, changes your life. It's, it's a good thing. You know, I do confess I'm not perfect. Um, when I went to the doctor with my insurance, Insurance covers one visit, but this doctor's like, you have to have two visits before a new visit. To be a new patient, you have to come twice, but insurance only covers one, like, you have to come twice. So when I found that out in the doctor's office, I wrote this big little note about how, this is so uncool, my insurance only pays for one, and you make me come in twice. And I went out and I looked at it, I showed my wife, and I'm like, wait, wait, this is, this is a complaint, isn't it? This is just a complaint. Dang. So I, I scribbled it all out, and I, I didn't give it to him. Um, as a complaint. So, but, so I'm not perfect, but I'm just saying, though, that when you write something down, you know, something you feel like God wants you to do, tell somebody about it, it really helps you to make a change. So while we pray here, dear God, I, I pray that you'd help all of us continue to grow in our faith, whether we're been like Apollos, we've known you for a long time, or whether we're kind of a newer person, or somewhere in between. God, help us not to resist your word, but help us not just to think, oh, your word's really powerful, but we don't apply it to our lives. Lord, help us to know you as we get your word into our lives, to grow closer to you, because we want to love you, to love others, Father. And that's, that's kind of the theme of this church, Father, just to come as we are before you and let you work on our lives. We pray this in Jesus.